goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ditto heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, my friends. It is Tuesday, and this is your Rush Hour. On WABC Talk Radio 77, Mr. Snurdly in the house. If you would like to be part of today's program, you may do so. 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us. 800-848-9222. Now, I have read a lot, of course, as I do every day in the political scene, and I'm not going to spend that much time on politics today. I'll spend a little time on it, but you are welcome to, because to me, nothing is advancing. We're kind of in a holding pattern. I, I, well, there, it's not fair to say nothing is advancing. Some things are advancing. The Federalist has a great article today, Margaret, Cleve, Margaret Cleveland, about how uh, David Weiss was fed the New York Times story as part of his, I guess, decision-making process. And and the New York Times story was inaccurate. They basically blamed, the New York Times story blamed Mayor Giuliani for coming up with the information against Hunter Biden. And that wasn't the case. That wasn't what the FBI, that's not what the FBI was using. There is also a political story that is advanced and that is that the FBI has admitted that 1,200 documents connected to unlawfully targeting radical traditionalist Christians have been uncovered with a FOIA request. The headline, by the way, of the Margot Cleveland story in The Federalist, it's an exclusive story. Lies were leaked to the New York Times. Those lies were then fed to Weiss. It's a familiar pattern. They're using newspaper coverage, newspaper stories that are inaccurate. As Instead of just doing an independent investigation. But that's another issue. Now, related to politics, we all knew this. But now the numbers are in. The U.S. deficit is skyrocketing thanks to Joe Biden's massive government spending. There are some other things, though, in the news that I wanted to get through. Two. And on the illegal alien front, by the way, ICE is targeting 366 illegal foreign nationals for removal. We've got 7 million people in this country just during the Biden. Matt has the most interesting haircut. It's like in layers. It's like three or four layers of different, I mean, Shout out to my guys in Brooklyn, Joe uh, Joe's Barbershop, baby. 
Well, they hooked you up, Matt. It's make, like movie star. They make man. it fresh. Yeah, make me look. I go in there looking like a disheveled mess, and they. Uh, it's usually my beard that's the disheveled mess. But uh, yeah, they do a great job. Thank you for uh, commenting on it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, like movie star vibe up in here. Okay. Anyway, but there are some other things that are in the news, and some of them I had to laugh because you know Rush used to have this whole. I mean, if I went through the rules of what you could and could not put up as calls one day, I think it would blow everybody's mind. It was the most greatly screened uh, radio show in the business, and of course, I was the call screener, and so the rules. And then he, there were things that he would not talk about, and he'd tell you he's not going to talk about them. Like, you know, you say the consumer the consumer stuff, like if you, my phone bill's too high, and, and look, you can argue with him. He had the number one show in America for 30 years, over 30 years. There are things, though, that I'm interested in, and I see the articles, and maybe it's because they hit me where I live and they hit you where you live. And I say, well, you know, I know it's kind of consumer stuff, and yeah, 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 the bills are true. But there's an article today in the Washington Post about insurance costs. Oh, let's not go to sleep just now. Wait. And the fact of the matter is that if you are paying for car insurance, you've most likely noticed that your rates are going up. The post starts with a story about a woman who lives near Lake Ponset, uh, and uh, her her car rates went up about thirty percent. Blah blah blah, and then it goes through others. And it's blamed on car repair costs, shop wages, car prices, all of that stuff. And especially with the Biden economy the way it is, all that stuff. But here's the deeper question to me when I read this. And I am not an insurance expert. My eyes glaze over when I have to, when I have to read my own policies and all that stuff. But I read an article the other day that insurance companies are going to stop, and in some cases have stopped, home insurance where, quote-unquote, extreme climate has been a factor. So if you live in certain hurricane zones, it is becoming more and more difficult to find insurance. Now, there are a lot of people that are being priced out of the car insurance game, apparently. What is that going to lead to when people can't afford to pay? What do people do when they can't afford to pay their car insurance? Do they stop driving? No. And so the only reason I'm bringing this up is my question is this. Insurance companies can decide, okay, we don't want to insure this. We don't want to insure that. We're not going to insure this, that, the other. You live somewhere where a hurricane might hit, so no, we don't want to insure you. So they get to pick and choose where and what they, in, in, and, and then you're mandated to have the insurance. You have to have the insurance. You want to get a mortgage? You got to have insurance. You want to drive a car? You're supposed to have insurance. So how does it work that insurance companies get to say, we, above all businesses, are going to make sure that we maintain profitability by not engaging in the business that we are licensed to engage in when it suits us. 
and tell consumers to go jump in the lake. No, we don't want to insure your house. Your house, you know, you live near, you know, global warming. No. Uh, extreme weather. No. Go jump in the lake. We're not going to do your house. Oh, but we'll do your car, and we'll charge you 50% more for that. And in some cases now, they may not want to do your car. Maybe somebody who works in the insurance industry can explain to me how this racket, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say racket, how this business works. Because I don't quite get the logic of it. How is this business, if you're supposed, insurance is a gamble, right? And so, yeah, they, they use, they run all the numbers and all that stuff. But how do they get to just not play in the playing fields that they don't want to play in? I don't get that. What is the worst airline flight that you were ever on? Go ahead, Diego. I see you. What was what's the worst airline flight that you have ever been on? It was the midnight flight from Chicago to Mexico City. Mexico City had a very, very bad fog problem that morning, so we were uh, we had to land in Monterey and were on the tarmac for five hours until the fog in Mexico City cleared up. It was supposed to be a four-hour flight. It ended up being like twelve hours in that airplane. Oh gosh, yeah, that's a pretty brutal flight. And once we landed, they like so many flights were coming in at the same time, so we didn't we didn't have a gate. So we stood on the tarmac in Mexico City for God knows how long. It was horrible. <laughs> Whoa, Philip, what's the what is the uh, what's the worst flight? Who? He's ready. He is away right now. I'll let him oh, he's him. away. They just walk out on me. You know, it's, it's, it's this is what you get when you're like, you know. Anyway, folks, I would love to know. What is the worst flight you have ever been on? He's back. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you, my dear man. Philip, what is the worst airplane flight you have ever been on? Uh oh, that's a good question. Actually, I haven't had too many bad ones. Uh, I get, I think the worst one was a small flight from London to Barcelona. Where it was, um, they're like Spain's budget airline, so I didn't expect something very well. But it was, it was a very rocky ride, and uh, he, he topped it off at the end, where the pilot was going to descend to land, and then swiftly brought it back up and said, uh, you know, talked on the intercom and said, "Sorry about that, guys. Uh, missed the landing. They're going to try this again." So that oh. wasn't that. You know, that didn't assure me with, with too much confidence that this was a a good flight. <laughs> but thankfully, we landed. <clears throat> the second time around. Yeah. You said Barcelona. Yeah. Okay, well, have you heard what happened on the Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona? I don't know. I haven't, but now I'm intrigued. Okay, so I just want to give all of you a uh, uh, a disclaimer first. I'm not trying to sensationalize the story. I'm going to read the story as it is. It is in multiple locations, including the Daily BS. I will pick the version to not be self-serving and go to the Daily BS. I will pick the self. I will pick the version that is in today's Daily Mail. 
This is a biohazard issue. Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona is forced. To, this is the, all the headline. The headline is a paragraph. This is a biohazard issue. Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona is forced to turn back after passengers suffered horrific bout of diarrhea that pilots said affected all the way through the plane. That's the headline. A Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona was forced to turn around after a passenger on board suffered a bout of diarrhea which ran all the way through the plane. Flight DL-194 had already departed Georgia on schedule at 8.47 p.m. It was flying over Virginia when pilots decided to abandon the journey. In a text message sent to air traffic control, the captain was succinct in explaining the problem. Divert to ATL, Atlanta. Passenger diarrhea all over the air, all over the aircraft. Biohazard. Air traffic control. Audio recordings also reveal one of the pilots, uh, one of the pilots confirming the situation over the radio. This is a biohazard issue. We had a passenger who had diarrhea all the way through the plane. So they want us to come back to Atlanta. Delta forced to turn back after, yeah. The situation was distressing for both passengers and crew. Some with knowledge of the situation posted to social media. My partner was on that flight pretty bad. It was dribbled down the aisle, smelled horrible. The vanilla-scented disinfectant used on it (laughs) only made it smell like vanilla. Blank. (laughs) After the plane landed, it was thoroughly cleaned. They didn't leave until around 2.30 a.m. The flight was met by emergency vehicles and ETMs carried the sick passenger off the plane. My partner said the plane was cleaner when they got back on at 2 a.m. than when they, the first time they got on. No smell either. Well, apparently they also ripped up all the carpets and put in new carpet. Both uh, my wife and I were on the flight. It was a mess. The pilot made the right decision. Yeah, here it is. The ground crew ripped out the carpet, put new in. Considering the circumstances, the ground crew did a great job along the attendants and the pilots. So I guess for many people, this trip to Barcelona would probably be the worst airline trip that they might, well, yeah, ever experience. And by the way, I'm not laughing at that. If you're the passenger on this and you are the sick passenger, I mean, how awful is that? You must just feel just ridiculously awful, aside from being sick. I mean, that's just, you know, it's just terrible. Yeah, but that's a different one. If, By the way, if you were in the – I said to you, yeah, we'll get to some more political news. If you live in Austin, Texas, the liberal mecca of Austin, Texas, um. The police there are asking victims of robberies, please stop calling us. The police there, look, we're having a shortage. They are asking residents not to call like, you know, the usual 911 for emergency service if you get robbed. 
If you're in Austin, they're asking you, hey, look, you get robbed, don't call 911. Call 311. I guess in 311, that's a non-emergency request. So if you get robbed and, and your places, you, you know, come home, open up the door, all your stuff is gone, someone's violated. You're out, there are so few cops and there's so much crime now. In Austin, Texas, this is one of the places that the liberals got their way and started defunding the police. There is now so much crime in Austin, Texas, that the police are saying, if you are the victim of a home robbery, you're the victim of a robbery, please don't call us on the emergency 911 lines. It's not an emergency. That, my friends, is the Thank you, Democrats. Thank you, Democrat Party. This is how they handle crime. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. There's a lot more news on WABC Talk Radio 77. Sounds good, doesn't it? Stevie Nicks. Number one album in the United States back in 81. The album Belladonna. Coming back. 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. On the air. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Soft Cell in 1981 went to number one. With this one, Tainted Love. On WABC Talk Radio 77. Uh, people are still talking about that Delta flight. Like, and, and, and so one of the things that came up, well, well they were near Virginia. Why did they go back? Because their head, because their headquarters is in Atlanta. It's their major hub. So they had the cleaning crews there that could rip out a carpet. They can do it. Oh, I'll just say this. Can you just imagine when it was time to deplane? Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. So I wrote a column today, an op-ed, and it's called America's Book Ban War. The Associated Press published an article earlier today that claimed that conservative, a conservative book ban is fueling exodus from the American Library Association. And the American Libraries Association, of course, are the heroes in the Associated Press because they, they're the, the group that's standing up against banned books. 
I guess what they wanted to do with this article was make sure that you all, those of you who appreciate libraries, especially school libraries, yes, I said specially, are disgusted. What you're supposed to think is, there they go again. These staunchly conservative hicks, these rubes from flyover country. They don't have the education. Those people out there, they don't have the sophistication that we coastal elites do, and their children are going to grow up backwards just like they are. Now, look, anybody that knows history, that's gone through the history of uh, pre-World War II Germany, knows that the book bans there were just a precursor to the horrors that were to come. And by the way, book bans are not uncommon. What you see in many of the communist regimes is before they, when they take power, the first class they go after are the education class, the academia, the elites. So what is it that has all these staunchly conservative people in Wyoming upset? Among the books in question is a graphic memoir called Gender Queer. Another title, this book is Gay. And if you have been on social media platforms, people have put up some of the content from these graphic books. I had an argument with a friend of mine yesterday who said this is all made up. You conservatives, you people... You're just making stuff up. Some staunchly conservative parents have also objected to drag drag queen story hour being part of the library's offering. That did happen in Wyoming, too. And they also might be disturbed by a tweet from the president of the American Library Association where she identifies herself, her name is Emily Dabrinsky, Dabrinsky. she identifies herself as a Marxist lesbian. And I guess people are offended by the Marxist part, not the lesbian part, the Marxist part. Now, for their part, the American Library Association claims They've always been nonpartisan. They deny having a political agenda. They argue book bans are a part of an effort by these staunch conservatives to diminish the public good, to take away information resources from people. Now, I, I, just a few things here. I find it really hard to believe that there's no that that there is no agenda present by bringing drag queens into libraries to read to children. Now, you can agree or disagree. Hey, great idea. Oh, terrible idea. But the very nature of that you're bringing a drag queen in suggests that you have a point of view. Namely, that this is culturally acceptable, having drag queens perform for minor kids. Also, graphic sexual literature. Why shouldn't it be circumspect? I remember, look, I was a product of New York City public libraries. We'd go to the public library so many times during the week, and the school library. We'd hang out at the library. That was It was a hangout for some of us. 
And there were in New York City libraries no books with uh, explicit sexual instruction or stories. That just wasn't part of the library experience in New York. However, those books were available, and a group of us found them. There were private bookstores or, 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 or general stores that had book sections, and in the adult section of those bookstores, you could find the graphic stuff. And so a lot of us teenagers would be hanging around those kind of bookstores, too, and trying to put our hands on those books until the management came and said, hey, you kids, what are you? No, that's for adults. Get out of there. And then occasionally we'd grab our favorite issue of National Geographic and pass it around. Those of you fans of National Geographic will undoubtedly know why. Now, I haven't read any of these books. I am distantly related to Tony Morrison, but under normal circumstances, I would not even support a book ban. But, folks, these are not normal times. In early periods in this country, there was common sense, and people would not have put explicit materials in front of children. These days, it seems, if you're in school, reading, math, science, the academic work has taken a backseat to this non-scientific philosophy of gender and all the other stuff that goes with it. Now, parents are taxpayers. They have every right. They have the responsibility to determine what gets placed in front of their kids. If parents don't agree with this, they want to expose their kids to all this hypersexual stuff, they're free to do it. Do it at home. You teach them. But community standards are just that. They're community established, established by the community, not by some association that appears to have an agenda despite what they say. The book ban war that we are seeing all across America is just another skirmish in this broader culture war we're, we're dealing with. And thank goodness for these culturally conservative, staunch conservative parents out there in flyover country that are not sitting on the sidelines but instead fighting some of this nonsense. Again, you can find the op-ed today at the Daily BS. We're late for traffic. I'll tell you about this when we get back. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So we went into the break with the animals. With their number one single back in 64, House of Rising Sun. In 1965, a year later, on this day, the Rolling Stones recorded this one. You know the Rolling Stones were going to drop a new studio album? 
I heard yesterday. They haven't dropped the studio album in 18 years. Their last single was Doom and Gloom in 2014, right? I don't know. They may have been a single, but they haven't dropped an album. An album, yeah. I like Doom and yeah. Gloom. It's their latest single thing. Yeah. Man, this was this one. This blew it up for the Rolling Stones. Yeah, there was some, um, hey, you. This is actually one of the first uh, songs I ever played with a band. Really? Yeah, with uh, yeah, that a... school of rock. Nice. Uh, by the way, the House Oversight Committee is uh, sending out six subpoenas including one for U.S. Um, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And this is what James Comer is announcing. He's saying part of the cover-up of Hunter Biden under the leadership of Secretary Mayorkas, they're sending out subpoenas. They want to hear from him. So we shall see if that leads anywhere. Let us go to the telephone, shall we? Let's get there a little bit early today. And let's start with uh, Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey. How are you, Andrew? It's a long way from Stanhope to Thailand, where my wife is from. But hearing your story, <laughs> I don't feel that bad anymore. The flight is uh, all horrible. It's it's a uh, Two flights, actually three, because we take a little plane to the north of Thailand. So it's either 15 hours or 17 hours to the switch point and um, going through customs in China, you know, and they speak to me in English, but they speak, they see my wife and they speak to her in Chinese, but she responds in English and says, sorry, I don't speak Chinese, (laughs) but they keep speaking to her in Chinese, which I always got to kick off, but it's horrendous economy. You know, it's real expensive to go first class, even a cost. But you have people coughing and laying on you. But I just want a positive note, like one beautiful thing, the trajectory of the plane actually goes over the polar ice caps. So um, it's stunning seeing the ice flows. Because the first time I went, it was like 10 hours into the flight, and the shades were down. And I was like, are we getting close? And I looked out, it was all ice. And it's like a perpetual sunset, like an orange glow. So, so that's one positive thing about the grinding you know, 15 or 17 hour flight. Yeah. Well, those long flights can be a doozy. Uh, the longest flights I on, uh, the leg took like 27 hours and I'll tell wow. you something that, uh, yeah, but you know what? It's it, looking back on it. Not that bad. Not that bad at all. I appreciate the call. My friend, let's go to Rick in Elmwood, New Jersey. How are you, Rick? Good, James. How you doing? Good. Thank you. I'm worried about Mark Stein. How is he doing? And please send him our best wishes. We really need him. I will do that. I read a column from Mark Stein today at the Mark Stein Club, which indicates to me that he's doing better. And he uh, did. He was on a TV appearance, and he talked about his, he, as he called it, his wobbly health. I mentioned that last week. So I will get in touch. As you know, uh, Tuesdays is usually Mark Stein Day. 
And as soon as possible, we'll have Mark Stein back on with you. Hopefully he will be in great health, but I will send along those regards. And I do appreciate it. Elliot, Staten Island, you're up next on WABC. How are you, Elliot? Hi, how you doing, Paul? You know, I was thinking they don't allow uh, books in the library on how to build a nuclear weapon, do they? But they do will allow transgender, which to me, we're in a really, we're in a nuclear holocaust right now. You know, people are afraid of Iran and North Korea with nuclear. You, They are breaking up the nucleus of the family in this country. You look at every TV show, every thing about the nucleus of the family is disintegrating. That is what the library is doing. They don't allow nuclear, you know, how to build a nuclear bomb, but they do allow transgenders to read books. It's amazing. Well, look, I, look, I have no problem. If you wanted to have a book about transgenderism, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with, with a lot of things if you want general information. But when you have very graphic uh, materials that are aimed at young children, I have a problem with that. And I think most people do. Now, this American Library Association, right now there are nine states that are saying we want out. And the, and the legislatures of those states are demanding that the schools in those states get out. And they are losing individual memberships, too, at record numbers. So we'll see what happens with that. People are aware of the agenda that's going on with these American libraries, this association run by a self-proclaimed Marxist. So we shall see what happens. There's another story, with, by the way, that I, I had somewhat related to what's going on in education, and that is this. The story is from Newsweek today. Cameras are coming to elementary school classrooms. And what they're saying is that security cameras are going to be installed in Effingham County, Georgia, elementary schools by next spring. Every classroom will be covered. The local school board is spending about $2 million fitting cameras in high school classrooms. Middle schools are expected to follow. The superintendent there said that putting these cameras in is one of a number of new safety initiatives being introduced. And it will also be an opportunity to highlight exemplary teachers. Well, well, well. I, I don't know about you folks, but I kind of love this idea. Can you imagine if every parent in America had camera access that they could just do whatever, just turn on the camera and see what's going on in their child's classroom. Can you imagine? I think this is actually a good thing. And if it spreads, it could be a marvelous thing. This could have more impact on American education than almost anything else. I guarantee you, if there were classrooms, if there were t uh, cameras in some of the classrooms in New York City elementary and secondary junior high schools, and parents saw what was actually going on in those classrooms, there would be more calls to change 
than just about anything else that could be done. It's a good thing. David, Staten Island, you're up next on WABC. How are you, David? I have album, How to the Rising Sun, on the flip side. I got loaded last night with a bottle of gin. Had a fight with my best girlfriend. I don't remember the title. Well, okay then. We'll have to do some research and find it out. But House of the Rising Sun surely is one that many of us do know. Joanne in Westchester. Thank you, David. Joanne, you're up next on WABC. I'm so happy because I'll tell you what. I totally agree with you that it could be a good thing in view of the fact that in these times there's a lot of even bullying. So that I'd like to get. There's big time, big time. I listen to reports on that all the time. All the schools, not only the city schools, you've got to see up here in Westchester what's going on with bullying. So that would be a wonderful thing. Teachers, like it or not, that's part of your job. You have to be on display. As in COVID times, when they were on the my daughter-in-law, they had to teach on uh, on the screens. They, what do you call it? You know what I mean. Um, yeah. Definitely vote, just because I want to rush on, because I know you have a few more calls. Um, the other thing is, uh, with reference to your libraries, um, we did the same thing. We hung out at libraries. And um, fun thing. But I wanted to say this. How about, there's one sentence, and then I'll let you write off. How about they don't teach sex education? Sorry, in today's times. Keep that out of the classroom because of what they're doing with transgender vote. And also, how about no religion? Teach our kids what we need to be taught, science and math and, and, you know, all of that, and computers and all of that, and reading, writing, arithmetic like an hour a day. No, no, um, because of what's going on, only because. No sexual education, sorry. You get that at home where you get it from your friends, sorry. That's the way it has to be right now because they're teaching them awful things. It's horrible. Horrible. I remember. What do you say? Okay, Joanne, on the first one with teaching sexually explicit material to kids, no, shouldn't happen. And I think this was one of Ron DeSantis' strong points, and it hasn't really uh, been articulated as a very big deal in his campaign. Now, as for religion, I had a discussion many, many years ago with a person that was under under the British school system, and she was astounded that in America... There is no religious instruction in, in public schools, meaning this. There was no proselytizing in Great Britain, Britain, the way she explained it. But the children had to learn, their students had to learn, what are the major religions in the world and what are the tenets of those religions. Not trying to convert students to them, but simply for information. This is what is in the world. This is what people practice as a religion. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about whether, of course, in the United States, supposedly we have to separate God and keep him out of the classrooms. And look what's in the classrooms instead. A, take a look at that. Look at what's in the classroom instead. Time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs, ladies and gentlemen. We'll come back with more of your telephone calls right after that. Yeah. On a morning from a book 
This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Coming in, you heard uh, the year of the cat. Today is the birthday of Al Stewart. That was the number eight single back in 1977. On this date in 2017, Rick Stevens passed. He was the lead singer for a while with Tower of Power. But when he he was in his 30s, addicted to drugs, he shot three men to death in a drug dispute, went to prison, served 36 years behind bars. He went in a young man... Uh, didn't come out that way. Also, birthdays today. John Stewart with the Kingston Trio. He's one of the people. He wrote um, Daydream Believer for the Monkees. Willie Woods, who is a vocalist and guitarist with uh, Junior Walker and the All-Stars. And the biggest birthday today, Freddie Mercury from Queen. And, I mean, Freddie Mercury is... He's the man. Let's get back to the telephones. You know what time it is, because we only have a few minutes left here on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. So here's the deal. You hear your name, you got to get right to your point. We're going to take as many calls as we can in the closing minutes of the show today. Let's start with Margie in Long Island. Margie, what's on your mind this afternoon? Hey, woohoo! I finally made it through. I just wanted to say I can't wait to see these cameras in the classrooms because all these mothers and fathers that say, not my kid, not my child, well, yes, it is your child. And you forgot to mention, it's Henry Blank's birthday, my daddy's. He would have been 101 today. Awesome. Thank you so much for the call, Margie. Appreciate you. Glenn in Long Island, how are you? Hi, Bo. I think cameras are a great idea. I'd love to take a peek once in a while to see what my grandchildren are learning. But there's something <laughs> more important. We're in a heat wave. It's climate change. Air conditioning was invented in 1902. What's the story? I love I we- it. Oh, I've got some climate change stories for you coming up this week that you will not believe. We may have to put them off till Saturday, but hopefully we'll intersperse them with the show during the week. Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate the call. Marie and Long Island, how are you? I'm fine, James. Uh, I'm, a, I'm from the New York City Department of Ed, and I've seen everything. But I think it's invasion of privacy. You know, you wouldn't like somebody watching over you for six, seven hours. Mm, I don't know mm. that. Okay, they are public schools. If it were a private school, I might think a little bit differently, but public schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, Patricia, Coney Island, you're up next. Thank you, James. Um, The last time I went to the public library here in uh, Coney Island is on Mermaid Avenue, and there was an open book. You can't make this up. It was drawings of John Lennon 
performing cunnilingus on Yoko Ono on the table. I thought, I'm going to throw up. I've had enough. I'm too old. I just, I, I don't go back to the library anymore. Goodness. By the way, uh, there's some other celebrity news that could have something similar, except it wasn't uh, the C thing. It's the uh, 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 police in Venice are investigating what actually happened on that boat with Kanye West and his wife, where he was exposing uh, his bare bottom and her head, supposedly head was in his uh, lap. Uh, We'll see what that investigation turns up, if any of you are interested. Tom in Woodbridge, got to make it quick. What's on your mind, Tom? Okay, two things really quick. Number one, you want to understand the cultural Marxism. Oh, bad static, bad static. We can't do it. So sorry. We'll have to get with you tomorrow. Let's try Al in Tenafly, New Jersey, in our closing minutes. What's going on, Al? In Tenafly. Flight from um, Hong Kong to Beijing, and the uh, pilot came out to welcome everybody, except he had no co-pilot, and he got locked out of the uh, pilot's cabin. He had to break the door down with a a fire axe, and otherwise we would have crashed. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. That is a scary flight. Well, may God bless and protect each and every one of you, your loved ones. Love, gratitude for your being here. For both and least rush hour each and every day, God willing, we will be back tomorrow and do it all over again. Bye.